Have you ever closed your Bible in frustration, wondering why you don't get more out of your study of Scripture? Has that ever happened to you? Or, or maybe it's not frustration for you. Maybe the word, the word, a better word would be disappointment. Have you ever, have you ever had your quiet time, ever had your time of studying God's Word, and, and after you read it, you closed your Bible in just frustration because you didn't get more out of your study of Scripture? I mean, it's not that you didn't try. You made an honest effort. You put the time in. You sat down. You studied. You, you tried to do some things that you've learned. And, and you studied the Word of God. You poured time and energy into the process. But you came away with little or nothing to show for the time you invested. It's like, well, why did I go to the trouble, through the trouble? I mean, all I did was be able to kind of check off on my to-do list that I had my quiet time. But I, I really didn't get a whole lot out of what I read. I really didn't experience a whole lot in my study. And then to make it even worse, the frustrating thing is that you hear others talk about what God has shown them in Scripture. It's like, well, why didn't He show me? Or you hear a Bible teacher and you think, why can't I have the insights he has or the insights she has? Why, why is it that, that they get so much? I read that and I don't get that out of that. How did they have those kind of insights? And you just sometimes, don't you do this? I've done this. I hope you have too. Shake your head so I'll know I'm not the only one. Have you done this? You just, you just... You just, in frustration sometimes, maybe in disappointment, you, you just close the Bible. It's like, well, at least I tried. At least I tried. Here's the problem. The problem is not that you don't know how to read the Bible. You obviously know how to read, but maybe, maybe you need to learn how to read the Bible differently. On 11 different occasions, Jesus said to the most well-read people of his time, have you never read? 11 times, 10 plus 1, 11 times, Jesus said to well-read people, people who spent a lot of time investing in, in reading the Scriptures, 11 times Jesus said to those people, have you never read? It's like, now, of course they've read. They'd spent years reading. But here's the thing, they did not grasp what they were reading. There was no change uh, that occurred because of what they were reading. Nothing changed in their life. That's why Jesus had to ask them, and he did 11 different times in Scripture. Have you never read? I mean, come on, guys. Haven't you caught this by now? Have you never read this? Let's put it on just a very practical level. I'm not even talking about the Bible. Have you ever read a book or a magazine, and then someone asks you, what, well, what's that chapter about? What was that book about? And you say, I don't have the fog. Yes, I did. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, man, that's happened to me. I, I've done that more times than I can count. I, I'll be reading a book, and, and, and I get to the end of the chapter, and when I get to the end of the chapter, I realize I don't have a clue what I just read. And, and I have to go back and read it again. But this time, I read it differently. This time, I have a different perspective in reading it. You see, if you don't understand and comprehend what you're reading then you're really not reading. You're, you're pretty much wasting your time. I mean, let's think about it. Let's be very, very practical. If you spend your time reading, but you're not understanding it, you're not even remembering it, uh, you're, you're pretty much just wasting your time. And I'm afraid that some people are doing that with the Word of God. They're, they're basically wasting their time. Because if their life depended on it, they couldn't tell you what they read that morning. The life depended on They couldn't explain to you what that chapter was about that they read and checked off of their list. 
Now, the other side of that coin is that sometimes we read something and we know it too well. We've read and heard the verses so many times that even though we're reading it, we're not engaged in what we're reading. The moment you come to a passage of Scripture and you think, I know this already, you're in trouble. Just help me. Give me a Bible story or just a verse that is something that you know really well and and not necessarily that you've got it memorized, but, but you've read it lots of times. Give me an example of one of those. 23rd Psalm. That's a good one. Story of creation. That's a good one. Give me another one. John 3.16. That's, that's a good one. It's like you, you come to the creation account, Genesis 1 and 2, or you, Psalm 23, or John 3.16. It's like, yeah, I, I know this. I know, what it's, I know how it's going to go. It's hard to come to a text, if you've read it over and over and over, it's hard to come to a text with fresh eyes. Especially, listen to this, especially if you're reading the text continually in the same translation. One of the reasons I would encourage you to read in different translations is so that you'll have fresh eyes. Because if you are a student of the Word of God, there is, there is, there's a good part of being very familiar with the verse, but there's also the bad part, and the bad part is you can start reading it but not reading it. You start reading, it's like, okay, I know what those words are, and you start saying the words before you even read it because you've almost got that thing memorized. And so it's really hard to come at it with fresh eyes. But that is exactly what we need to try to find a way to do. Let me pause just for a moment to give you a quick tip on how I've started doing this recently, just trying to read the Bible differently. That This is not the what the, our, my study is about tonight, but just a practical tip. Uh, if you've got a computer or an iPhone or an iPad or something like that, there is a, a, an app that you can get called uh, UVersion. It's, now, Billy, this is not going to help you, brother. I understand. Billy and I were talking about, he, he's not on computers. He was talking about that yesterday. But for those of you who are on computers and you know how to operate one, uh, if you can get the app called Uversion uh, in the NIV and the King James, uh, they've got this little thing that you can press on the bottom, and it'll read the text to you. Now, what I've started doing recently is, in my personal quiet time, I do my personal quiet time with my iPad now. Now, I, sometimes I still use my Bible, but sometimes I use this because... What I do, I put my headphones in, and I sit there, and this guy with his eloquent voice is reading to me. And you know what I found? I'm following it better. I'm engaged in it more. I'm remembering it more. Because here's what I'm doing. I've got two senses going now, not just looking at it. Now my ears are working too. So now I'm reading as he's, I'm not reading out loud. I'm following along and reading as he reads it to me. And one of the things I found out is that he's reading a lot slower than I do. So when I'm reading, I'm just, uh, in the beginning God created the world, the world is, and the world is, I'm reading it kind of like that. But he does it like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he's going real slow. But what that's helping me to do is to think about what he's saying and to think about what I'm seeing. So that's just a practical thing. Just an example of you, when you're very familiar. Let me tell you who's real susceptible to this, of reading it, but you already know what it says, and so you're not really tuned into it. Let me tell you who's real susceptible to this. Bible teachers are. Pastors, BSF teachers, 
Anybody that spends a lot of time reading the Scriptures, I spend a lot of time reading the Scriptures. Lots of you do too. You're Bible study teachers and some of you Bible scholars. You are very susceptible to say, oh, I know this one already. And what's happening is you're not benefiting from what you're reading because you've already told yourself, oh, I know this one. So find a way, find a way to read with a different perspective, whether it's with an iPad or a computer. That's just one example. And I'm going to give you one that everybody, even Billy can do the one I'm going to give you here in a little bit. Okay? So whether you're novice at Bible study or seasoned Bible teacher, I really think that you would benefit from learning to read the Bible differently. I, you know, I've, I was thinking today that I've spoken to lots of people over the years who who grieve the memories of foolish decisions that they've made, men and women in their 50s and 60s and 70s and perhaps beyond, who say, man, I, I wish I knew then what I know now. You ever said that? I wish I knew then what I know now. You know, what you're really saying is this. If I could somehow step back and have a different perspective, if I could somehow step back and have a different perspective, then, then perhaps I would have raised my children differently. Or maybe I wouldn't have destroyed my health. Or, or maybe I would have spent my money differently. Or, or maybe I wouldn't have wrecked my marriage. I, I wish I knew then what I know now. And so my question is this. If you understand that from a practical, personal perspective, what if you could do that on, in, a spiritual, in the spiritual world? What if you could do that with your Bible? What if you could learn from somebody who's further down the road than you are? What if there was someone who could mentor you and you could learn from their mistakes? And you could learn from their successes. I, I, I've had two, I was thinking today, I've had two pastors over the years. I, I've been in pastoral ministry for 27 years. And I've had two pastors over those 27 years. Older pastors, pastors who've been down the road further than I have, pastors who have pastored bigger churches than I have, Pastors who have pastored longer than I have. I've had two godly pastors who have mentored me over the years. Who have kind of poured into me. And, and I've gotten to benefit from their successes. And I've also gotten to benefit from their failures. where They've been able to share with me things that have helped me avoid the mistakes they've made in ministry. Or they've helped me by showing me some successful things that they've done in ministry. What if... You could do that. What if the reason God gave you this Bible was that He could give you some mentors in your life? Men and women who, though dead, still speak. What if one of the reasons God gave you this Bible is so that you could learn from some men and women and learn from their successes? And you could learn from some men and women and learn from their mistakes? so that you wouldn't have to make the mistakes they made. Now, if you think that might be just a good idea, I want you to open God's Word with me to 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at several scriptures tonight. But I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. 
We're going to read the first 11 verses, and I'm going to try to read it like the guy on my Bible app, not with that voice, but I'm going to read it at that speed. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that was accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angels. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. I tried to read that real slowly because I wanted you to notice the contrast in this text where Paul is talking about these people, them, and us. He's talking about the people that you can learn from. He was talk, Verses 6 and 11 are key verses. Look at, look at them again. Verse 6 and 11. In verse 6, Paul says, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. There's this constant contrast throughout this text between us and them. In verse 11, he says essentially the same thing. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of ages has come. Paul was saying, listen, these things are written down for your benefit. They are not written down just for your information. They are written down for your benefit. These men and women that you're reading about are to be mentors in your life. And you're to learn from their mistakes so that you don't make the same costly mistakes. You're to learn from their example and follow their example when it's good and avoid their example when it's bad. These are written, he says, for you, for your example. Now that's a different way to read the Bible than most of us read it. Most of us read the Bible as saying, okay, I read it, now what? I read it, now I can check it off my list. I read it, now what does it mean? Paul says, let me tell you what it means. It means these stories were not written just to tell you about them. These stories were written and recorded to help you. Don't just read about these stories. Let the people in those stories become mentors in your life. Because when you read the Bible, you're brought face to face with others who struggled with what you're struggling with. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever taken the time to, look, to notice that? When you read the Bible, you're brought face to face with men and women who are struggling with things you are struggling with. And so it, doesn't it make common sense? I'm going to learn from their successes and I'm also going to learn from their, from their failures. 
I'm going to let these men and women who are further down the road than I am, who have walked with God longer than I have, and yes, though they're dead, they still speak because their names and their stories are written in Scripture. I'm going to let those men and women mentor me in my walk with God. Paul was saying, listen, don't just read these stories. Let these people help you in your walk with God. Otherwise, you're wasting your time and you will likely make the same mistakes they did. Now, there's a very interesting comment in Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to go over to Hebrews chapter 4, over to the right. Lest you think I'm talking about uh, something bad when I say you're wasting your time by reading the Bible, I want to make sure you understand what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter 4. Intriguing comment here in the first two verses. Uh, actually, if you go back to chapter 3, it's talking about the people of God who are uh, because of their unbelief, did not go into the promised land. And, and he's using that to set the stage. He said they did not enter the promised land. They did not enter God's rest that he had promised them. Um, let's just start in verse 16 of chapter 3. We'll get that context. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were, were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if, they, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that, that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Now we come to chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Something very interesting that he says here. Therefore, since the promise of entering his, we, his rest still stands... Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. Here's that contrast again. Them and us. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. The message they heard was of no value to them. Did they hear the message? Yes, but it was of no value to them. The, the New King James puts it this way, the word which they heard did not profit them. The word that they heard did not, did they hear the word? Yes, did it profit them? No. And that can happen today as well. People are reading God's word, hearing God's word, but sometimes not profiting from God's word. That's what I mean by wasting your time. If you're not profiting from God's Word, you're missing what God wants you to do. You see, I really believe God has given you stories in this book we call the Bible in order to mentor you in your walk with Him. And I believe your Bible reading will greatly enhance and will be greatly changed if you could come to this book and allow some people in this book to mentor you. Now to give you further evidence that that's in, indeed what God expects and has planned, go over to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Romans 15 verse 4, if you're taking notes, it says... For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. 
so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. What a great verse. Everything that was written in the past was written to give you information. That's not what it says, is it? Everything that was written in the past was written to what? To teach us. You could say to mentor us. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Rome and said, Listen, the things that are written in the past were written for your benefit. And if you will, in essence, let me put it this way. Have you ever had anybody come do job shadowing? Do you know what job shadowing is? Kids, our kids did that. Where did they, do you remember anywhere they went shadowing? Huh? Dot Trotter. Yeah. Who, who, which one of our kids came to you, Dot? Do you remember? Lauren? Yeah, we'll say it was Lauren. It was Lauren. It was, I remember. In school, they have this thing called job shadowing where they get to take the day off and they get to go work with somebody and see what they do and learn from them what they do. And, and our daughter Lauren, it was Lauren, I remember that now, our daughter Lauren went to job shadow uh, Dot when she was working at the police office. And uh, she, she, you know, she got to see things she had not seen before and hear things she had not, hopefully it wasn't too bad, hear things... <laughs> She got to experience things she had not experienced before. She got to learn from a different perspective. What if? What if God intends you to job shadow some of these people in the Bible? It sounds like it, verse 4, 15, 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. By shadowing these men and women, you can find the help you need when your difficult tests come. By shadowing these men and women, you perhaps can start thinking differently and thinking uh, uh, through the lens of faith and looking at things through the lens of faith. By, by shadowing these men and women, you might avoid some costly mistakes that you would make otherwise. By shadowing these men and women, you might find yourself growing in your walk with God in a way that you'd never grown before. The Holy Spirit of God can bring key lessons from the past into your present. Isn't that what it's all about? Bringing key lessons from the past into your present. Abraham can mentor you on faith. Samson can teach you about the need for sexual control. Daniel can instruct you on standing for your belief in God. Ruth can teach you about love and loyalty. Peter can teach you about overcoming failure and overcoming failure and overcoming failure. Paul can teach you about the power of the gospel. You can just go on and on and on. How do we do that, Keith? We just have to learn to read the Bible differently. Now let me plug a commercial in here. I'm going to help you learn how to do that starting on March the 19th. I believe I've got the date right. Is that right, Ron? Is that when I'm starting the M&M night? Yeah, it is. It's March the 19th. I should have asked him ahead of time. It's March the 19th, because this week we've got, here's the M&M night. This week we've got uh, Man Church and Ladies Bible Study with Allison. The next week we've got Outreach Night, and the next week is, is I'm going to start teaching 
uh, on Wednesday nights. And here's what I'm going to, here's my subject matter I'll be teaching on Wednesday nights starting March the 19th. How to be a self-feeder. How to be a self-feeder. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, too often, the only time you get fed is when you come on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. Not everybody. Some of you are very good at this. But some of you, it's like, okay, feed me, Keith, because, man, I'm hungry. <laughs> man, I'm, man, I had a rough, feed me, Keith. I, I've, had a rough, I've had a rough week. Your week might be a little bit better if you'd learn how to feed yourself. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with you. I'm going to teach you some very practical things from a book that I've read. Uh, Wayne Cordero has a book, and it's called The Divine Mentor. And that's where I got a lot of the ideas that I'm sharing with you tonight. And you see, one of the reasons, I, I try to keep reading because I believe every leader ought to be a learner. You've got to continue to, so I'm, I'm constantly reading, constantly, trying to constantly, I'll try to be honest, I'm trying to constantly read and trying to continue to be a learner. And one of the things that I've learned in a, in a dry time in my life back in the fall, and I'm going to tell you about it in my sermon series coming up one Sunday morning, but in a dry time in my life back in the fall, God brought me to this book, The Divine Mentor. And it has helped me a lot, and I hope that it will help you. So March the 19th, Lord willing, I'm going to start teaching you how to be a self-feeder. How to let the men and women of Scripture mentor you for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope in the last few minutes we have together I want to break that verse down it says for everything that was written in the past when Paul was talking about when he wrote to the church at Rome and he was talking about things written in the past what was he referring to easy question what was he referring to the Old Testament he was referring to the old... They didn't have the New Testament when he wrote. He was, he was in the process of writing the New Testament when he wrote to the church at Rome. So he was talking about the Old Testament. And he says it was written in the past to teach us. King James says it was written for our learning. New American Standard says it was written for our ins- instruction. The Scriptures were written to, to, for our learning, for our instruction, to, to, to move us more closer to the way God wants us to live. You could say that. And he says, and the, the end result is this, endurance and encouragement. The endurance and encouragement that comes from Scripture. Endurance. Let me tell you what that word means. It means steadfast endurance, patient endurance, perseverance, constancy, the ability to stand firm in your faith. The Bible says that comes from reading the Scripture and not just reading it on a surface level, but reading it in such a way to let the, the people of the Bible mentor you so that you have this steadfast faith. And then it talks about encouragement. The word that the Bible has, uh, uses there means the ability to console, to comfort, to encourage, to strengthen. Don't, don't answer this out loud. Don't answer this out loud. But just this week, just this week, did you ever get down and need encouragement? Just this week, did you ever need somebody to help you? Do you ever need somebody to strengthen you and comfort you? Through the endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, the Bible says, we might have hope. Now, trying to make this as personal and as practical as I can, um, I want to close by, by reading a story to you. And uh, we'll just take a few minutes to look at it. I'm not going to really dig into it. Very 
popular story, especially if you go to ladies' conferences. In fact, I'm just going to ask you, ladies, when you go to a ladies' conference, what's the story they always tell you about? Now, since I haven't been to a ladies' conference, I need you to help me with this. What's the story they often use? Huh? It's the story of two sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. Let's open to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Will you all be okay if I let you out just about five minutes early? Ten. All right. Make it ten. There's always a sinner in the place. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Let let this story, I just want it to kind of sit in your mind as we talk about in the coming days, how to read the Bible differently and the need to spend time with the Lord. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. Remember a couple, uh, uh, I think it's two Sundays ago, I told you whenever in the Bible a name is repeated, it's something very significant, very important. Uh, he was really trying to make a point to that individual. Moses, Moses, Saul, Saul. Martha, Martha, he said. The Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Now, to be very clear about this story, both of these sisters dearly loved Jesus. Imagine what it must have been like as they scurried about their home, getting things ready for His arrival. I mean, Jesus was not just a generic visitor that was stopping by. Both Mary and Martha recognized Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. Both of them understood that He was the very Son of God. Imagine cleaning your house for Him. You know, some of you, if you, if, if, if you knew Pastor Keith was coming by, it's like, we've got we to clean up the house. Pastor Keith is coming. Now, some of you, you just keep your house clean all the time, and you're just pathetic. I, you just really disturb me. I'm just kidding. It's, I wish I could do that. But, if you knew Jesus was coming by, imagine how you would scurry about getting the house ready for Him. And before they knew it, here was Jesus coming through the door, And in my mind, opening his arms and embracing those sisters, hugging them. And at that point, Mary made a critical decision. Mary dropped all of her activities and her preparations. She set aside the stack of dishes on the counter, and she took a seat at the feet of Jesus. And in my mind, probably as close as she could get. Household chores could wait. Dinner could wait. Her eyes and her ears were tuned to him. That was Mary. Martha, however, saw the job as unfinished. Martha just kept up her busyness. Martha was a busy lady who was multitasking to get things done. She was probably washing pots and stirring the gravy and baking the bread and keeping the oven hot. And her agitation escalated when she saw her idle sister. I mean, how could could Mary possibly 
just sit there like that and let me do all the work. You, you've been, you know what that's like, don't you? Ladies, have you ever gotten upset at your husband like that? Huh, come on now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hitting the right, I'm plowing the right field, aren't I? How could he possibly sit there and watch the TV while I'm in here doing all of this work? I could say some things there, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to go right on by. Finally, in frustration, finally in total frustration, Martha interrupted Jesus' teaching. Which was just kind of fascinating. It was like, wait a minute. I know what you've got to say is important, but this is building up in me. i just got to get it out. And here's what she says. Verse... 40. Verse 40. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, to Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> Sounds like two little kids, doesn't it? Don't you care? T tell her to help me. She is you can just see that Martha is so angry. She is so frustrated. She is so aggravated. She has a to-do list. And she can't rest until it's done. And Mary's not doing anything to help. Yes, ma'am? <laughs> Thank you, Martha, for that perspective. And my wife, amen you, by the way. <laughs> Preparations had to be made. I mean, those are two different personalities. We got some Marthas here that we know what their names are, don't we? We got some Marthas. Like, they're prepar things have to be done. You can't just sit around. I'm sorry, but things have to be done. And so she went and said, Lord, I want you to tell her she needs to get up and help me. Here's what Jesus said. Martha, Martha. <laughs> You're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. And don't miss this. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Luke describes Martha as distracted by the preparations that had to be made. Don't miss that word. Distracted by the preparations. The, Lord, uh, the word used there is, is a word that signifies being pulled apart. Being pulled about. Being pulled in this way and that way and this way and that way. And, well, I, I'm telling you, I'm not trying to make a joke about this, but, but this is, Lisa and I... Uh, I thought of my wife when I read this because right now, you know, we got this wedding coming up next Sunday or next Saturday. Talk, to, talk about being pulled apart and being pulled to this direction and that direction. This has to be done and that has to be done and everything has to be done. It all has to be done right now and pulled this direction and that direction. But we've all been there, not just in weddings. We've all been there, haven't we? Yanked from one thing to the next to the next to the next, trying to keep all the plates spinning and keeping everything from falling. Things that have to be done. The preparation that just has to happen. And Jesus said, well, Martha, let me tell you one thing. Mary 
has chosen what is better. What did Mary choose? Here's what she chose. She chose to spend time listening to Jesus teach. She chose to spend time, I believe, at His feet. Did the dishes need to be washed? Yes. Did the food need to be cooked? Yes. Was there things that needed to be picked up around the house? Probably. But Mary chose what's better. I tell you that story to make this this conclusion and this application. We are all busy people. There are things that just have to be done. We're all busy people, pulled in this direction and that direction. In fact, I want to be, you know, sometimes I think in these conferences, you know, and again, I've never been to a ladies' conference, but this is the way I interpret it. You know, I believe they do, they go to this thing and then, and they teach this text and they say, now, which are you? Are you a Mary or a Martha? And, and we know what Peggy is. She's a Martha, right? <laughs> and what my wife is. She's a Martha. But in reality, that's not true. Because, you know, what? here's, here's really what truth is. In reality, we're both Mary and Martha. We really are. We're Mary and Martha. There are, there are things that have to be done. Things that we've got to get... We've, there's some things we've just got to take care of. We're busy people. We've, we've got busy lives. We're Martha. We're busy, busy people. But we also need to be Mary. And every day we need to choose what's better and open this book and say, Lord, mentor me today. Let John show me how to be a better leader. Let Abraham show me how to have faith. Let Peter show me what it means to come back when you feel like a failure. Lord, I'm going to choose what's better. And though I've got a lot of things on my list I've got to do, and it's a busy day, I'm going to choose what's better. Let the psalmist mentor me about when you feel like God's not listening. Mentor me through your word. Show me how to live your life. I'm sorry? I agree with that. I agree with that. Except Jesus said, but Mary has chosen what's better. Yeah. No, no, not at all. And I'm sure Peggy loves Jesus just as much as the rest of us do. (laughs) What did he say? Just, yeah, you can just you can call Ron or Dave for counseling this way. Either one, be glad to talk to you. Y'all just you just ruined my good ending. You know that, don't you? I was bringing it down to a good ending. Choose what's better. There we go. Choose what's better. All right, and if you'll come back on. March the 19th, I'll help you to learn how to choose what's better. All right? How to be a self-feeder. I'm going to pray for you. We'll be gone. 
as I pray, would you hold your Bible in your hand if you've got your Bible with you? Would you just hold it in your hand? Father, I pray that uh, just this week you might give us a, a deeper and a better appreciation for this book we hold in our hand. I pray, God, that we would not just see it as something that we need to read because that's what good Christians do. But I pray that we'll read it from a different perspective. That we will read it as if these men and women are mentors from whom we can learn from their successes and from whom we can learn from their failures. And I pray that tomorrow morning that we'll get up and we'll open this book or tonight before we go to bed that we'll lay there in the bed and we'll open this book and we will choose what is better and allow you to mentor us. Teach us as only you can do it. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.